Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Wednesday, April 20th, 2022. And today will be better than yesterday. Producing from the heartland of Nebraska is Sarah Abbott. Taylor Schwenk is working from his new home in the foothills of Connecticut. I'm Buster Only. Let's get to today's action. Starting in Detroit, Yankees and Tigers. And it was really windy in Detroit. We saw that. Big, big pitch. 3-2, runners go, swinging a pop-up. Playable by home plate. Tucker Barnhart backpedaling, and oh, man. It fell in between Alexander and Barnhart. Are you kidding me? Right in front of home plate. Torkelson was there, but you could tell Barnhart was struggling with the wind. Oh, my goodness. Two-run score. Dan Dickerson on that call, 97.1. The ticket, the Yankees go on to win 4-2. But the big story in this game, Garrett Cole lasted just an inning and two-thirds, throwing 68 pitches. Here was Garrett Cole after the game. Yeah, I mean, still going through the evaluation process a bit, but just not on the plate enough, really not able to get leverage and keep leverage. Are you kind of perplexed by it? Certainly, uh, certainly never had anything like that in my career before, but it's not something that we can't get through. Does it make it even more perplexing? You had the first inning that you did, and then it, it came apart in the second that quickly. Yeah, I mean, you said it. <laughs> Man, I still made good pitches in the second inning, but but you know, I, I just when I needed when I needed to make one, I didn't I, I, I didn't make it. Yeah, in that second inning, he was constantly going full count on hitters. Uh, We'll be talking about uh, Garrett Cole and his performance with Jesse Rogers coming up in Los Angeles last night. Max Fried of the Braves was perfect into the sixth inning. Meeting their match through five innings tonight. Alberto swats on the right center. There's the first base runner of the game. Lead off hit for Hanser Alberto. And the perfect game finished here in the sixth. So the Dodgers did get a hit, but they would lose the game. It ended with Kenley Jansen on the mound for the Braves against Freddie Freeman in the box for the Dodgers. On 1-0, Freeman skies it to center field. Duvall's over, and that will do it. Kenley Jansen with a 1-2-3 ninth inning in his return to Dodger Stadium and behind a splendid performance from Max Freed. The Braves snapped the Dodger win streak at 7. In Kansas City, Salvador Perez had a day. And that's belted to left field. The wind will push it. Larnick is back at the wall. Gone! Salvador Perez ties the game with his second home run of the night. Yeah, and the Royals win that game 4-3. to three. Ronald Acuna Jr. began his minor league rehabilitation assignment last night with the Stripers. The pitcher's mound, the 3-1, and Acuna swings. It's a high rocket to right center. It's tailing away from Miller. It's off the top of the wall. Burdick takes it off the carom, throws it in way past the cutoff bend to third, and it's a leadoff double for Ronald Acuna here to start the top of the third for Gwinnett. And he is all smiles as he gets closer to getting back to the big leagues. We're probably a couple of weeks away from that happening. To quote our old friend Dan Patrick, you can't stop the Rockies. You can only hope to contain them. The 2-2 pitch again. And hit long way to left field. Goodbye. C.J. Crone again. A three-run shot. Rockies back in the lead. And they would win the game. Kyle Freeland agreed to an extension with the Rockies yesterday. Five years, $64.5 million. That according to our Jeff Passan. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, where you earn rewards with every purchase. Vivid Seats Rewards is your ticket to more tickets. Vivid Seats, life happens live. And the hottest ticket right now is in Queens, where the Mets are asserting themselves with authority early in this season. They played a doubleheader against the Giants yesterday, a team that, of course, led the majors with 107 victories. And Francisco Lindor tied the game in the bottom of the fifth. Line towards right field, base hit, tie game. Hustling towards the line, Yastrzemski. Lindor digging for second. Yastrzemski's throw on a few hops, not in time. It's a double for Francisco Lindor. And the Mets have tied it 4-4. to Three runs in here in the last of the fifth inning. 
That was the great Howie Rosen, WCBS. It's great to have him back in the booth. The score was still tied in the bottom of the 10th inning. Lindor came to the plate again. Swing a line drive towards center field. That's going to get down. A base hit. It rolls toward the wall in right center. Nimmo scores. And Francisco Lindor comes through. Mets win in 10. 5-4 the final. I mean, Rendazzo on WCBS. In game two of that doubleheader, you had Logan Webb against Max Scherzer. And the Mets took the lead in the bottom of the third. And he pulls one on the ground. Pass, Bill face in, and the Mets take the lead. Lindor is in. Alonzo being waved around third. The relay throw to the plate by Estrada. Alonzo slides in safely. It's a two-run double for Eduardo Escobar. And the Mets jump in front 2-0 in the third. Gary Cullen and SNY, that two-run lead was enough for Mad Max. In there, strike three call. He dropped a changeup on him on 0-2, and he gets Duggar looking for his 10th strikeout. The Mets have the best record in baseball at 9-3. and We're going to be talking about them a little bit on the podcast coming up. Taylor, what else do you have? Buster Bomani Jones is at it covering the NBA playoffs on Monday's episode. He shared his thoughts on performances by Kyrie Irving and the Nets in the Eastern Conference side of the NBA playoffs, as well as Carl Anthony Towns and the Timberwolves in the Western Conference. Good episode for Bomani. Check out The Right Time with Bomani Jones wherever you listen to your podcasts. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1 800 DirecTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. A lot of new owners make bold pronouncements on their first day, and Steve Cohen was no different when he bought the Mets. You know, only one team wins the World Series every year, right? So that's a pretty high bar. Mm-hmm. But if I don't win a World Series in the next three to five years, you know, I'd like to make it sooner. Then, then you know, obviously, you know, I would consider that slightly disappointing. Cohen, a longtime Mets fan, has put his money where his mouth is. Within months after he took over, the team traded for Francisco Lindor and signed him to a record-setting $341 million contract. But the 2021 Mets were a disaster. Two executives were hired and fired because of off-field issues, and Lindor struggled. The lost summer embodied by the thumbs-down gesture to fans who had booed him. It was wrong, and I apologize um, to whoever I offended. It was not my intent to offend people. I can't go against the fans. Never done in my career. Um, we we play for the fans, like Javi said. Javi said we play for the fans, and he's 100% right. Um, for the, our teammates, for the front office, for the families, um, for the city. So, with that being said, like I said, I apologize, and he didn't look good on our part. But once the offseason began, Cohen doubled down, hiring Billy Epler's general manager. Eduardo Escobar, Mark Canna, Starling Marte were among his signings, and then they landed Max Scherzer. I think there's so factors that uh, went into my decision here. Um, first, you know, when I uh, took the Zoom call with uh, Steve and, and, and Billy, and you know, got to know those two, and you know, Steve said it's whatever it takes to win here. Uh, that 
he, he looks at this uh, as he wants to win a championship and he's going to do whatever it takes to win. So, you know, when you hear that from an owner, you don't hear that from owners too much, too often these days. And, you know, when you can finally hear an owner, you know, want to do what it takes to win, uh, you know, obviously, you know, that piqued my interest. After the owner's lockout began, the Mets took the time to go through managerial candidates and hired Buck Showalter. Long considered one of the best managers in baseball, despite the fact he has never taken a team to a World Series. And the payoff has been immediate. Field back, ground ball, first baseline, fair ball. Down the line, that'll score two. Jankowski's in, and here comes McCann behind him. McNeil the second, he'll stop there. Stand up, double. And the Mets are within one. On a cold Tuesday in Queens, the Mets swept a doubleheader from the Giants, who had the best regular season in baseball in 2021 with Scherzer and Lindor leading the way. You know what? Uh, tonight, it was a good night for us in a, in a long season and a long challenge against a real good club that will come out and play us tough again tomorrow. I mean, you earn everything against them. So, you know, it beats all tournaments. Uh, winning two games in a doubleheader and 18 innings in the big leagues is real, real hard to do. And... Uh, See our guys, you know, Max was a, was a pick pickup for us after such an emotional, challenging game to climb back in that first one and finally figure out a way at the end to have Max there to in that second game was big because it's just hard to maintain that uh, sense of urgency, intensity uh, in 18 innings and especially in that those conditions and weather. But Max was a pickup pickup for us. Jesse Rogers covers baseball for ESPN. And in 2015, when Joe Madden took over as manager of the Cubs, Jesse, uh, you were covering the Cubs. And you saw how a manager can change a team, a culture. Uh, Madden seemingly did that, you know, that year. And we might be seeing that happening with the Mets, you know. And I'm not around the team every single day. You're not around the team every single day. Obviously, Steve Cohen has spent a lot of money. Uh, and, and gotten some great players, Francisco Lindor and Max Scherzer and the like. But it does feel like that Buck Showalter has helped to turn the page for the Mets. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I would guarantee you, even though it was a shortened spring training, it all got established there. That's what happens when you bring in the veteran manager. They don't start on April 1st. They start actually in December, in January. Now, Buck didn't have a chance to talk to his players in the offseason like he may have wanted. But I'm sure that the entire lockout, he was thinking about how he would address things and handle things during spring training. That's what Joe Madden did. You establish yourself early, establish the trust early. That's the biggest thing. When a veteran manager comes in there, he's already got the resume. That still, mean, that still doesn't mean he's going to establish the trust with his players. He's, they still have to earn it. And once you earn that, or I should say, when you earn that early, it can pay off as, as soon as April. And that's what we're seeing. I, I am a little surprised that they're off to this good of a start because of the shortened spring training, playing without DeGrom. But that has to go back towards the manager in, in, in some capacity. Just kind of looking at, at, at some of the records. And it is the better teams anyway, but the better records and the better teams after the shortened spring training have veteran managers. They have veteran managers. And I think that's showing up in New York in a big way. Tell me how much of a difference you felt like that Madden you know, did make in that first year and how did it manifest and how much of a difference you think someone like Showalter can make? Oh, it can manifest in many different ways. In Madden's case, the Cubs turned into these big favorites, you know, between 15 and 16 as they were growing their team. And instead of turning away from any of the attention, because it was the Chicago Cubs, they were they were they were getting covered like it was a presidential race it early on. He said, embrace the target. One of the best, you know, sort of phrases that he came up with, with his team, embrace the target. I would guarantee that the Mets have a target on their back with, the, with their uh, high, pro, high profile owner and the way they're, they're, they're getting off this good start. You need to sort of embrace that. And I, I think that was something Madden did early on, but again, he established the culture in spring training. In fact, there's a famous day, in 2015 in spring training where, you know, at first he said to everyone, hey, just be loose, be yourself, play aggressive, be smart. And all of a sudden in spring games, 
The Cubs were running out of innings left and right, even though it was spring training. I mean, they were getting thrown out on the base pass all over the place. And he then shut it down and he put his foot down. And I think you you see that in Buck Walter. He knows when to, to, to uh, put out the carrot and when to use the stick a little bit. And uh, the good ones know that balance. But earning trust is the first thing you have to do. And I saw that with Joe and I'm seeing that with Buck as well. You've been around a lot of clubhouses and generally speaking, starting pitchers are not the clubhouse leaders, right? Generally speaking, they're not the, the, the big dog in the room. There are some exceptions in that case. Uh, there can be exceptions depending on the personality, depending on the stature of the player. And Max Scherzer seems to be like one of those guys. The thing that I love about Max is not only days that he pitches and he's still, you know, at age 38 uh, dominating hitters. But it's the presence of Max in the dugout in the games he's not pitching where you could just see him, uh, you know, talking to, you know, guys when they come off the mound and, and uh, you know, chatting up teammates in the dugout, just raising the level of intensity just by his mere presence. This is a match made in heaven. And I feel like Max is so comfortable in his own skin at this point in his career that he can just be that guy, no matter if he's a starting pitcher or not. Remember, this is a guy that was the face of the Players Association just a month ago, two months ago, as they're going through this lockout. He signs with the Mets. I mean, he has a house in, in, in South Florida, right near where the Mets train, basically. I mean, he's, he's got everything going for him. He comes in there and he takes over a team that needed that kind of leadership. It's just like, Wow, what a, what a, what a six-month run or whatever you want to call it for, for Max Scherzer. And he's just so comfortable in his own skin. I mean, look, Buck Showalter could be the best manager in the world, but when he has a player like that on the field and off the field in the dugout in the clubhouse, it makes his job so much easier. And we know all the great teams have players like that. So, yeah, I think that, mac, that match is just made in heaven because the, the, the Mets needed him. With the Grom out, uh, I'm going to extend my comparisons between the, those Cubs teams that uh, went on to win the World Series in 2016 and this Mets team. Uh, do you see Scherzer having the same sort of impact on that team that Lester did when he signed with the Cubs, potentially? Well, I think it's similar. I mean, the Mets were a pretty decent team, you know, the last couple of years. Um, they were sort of building this thing after Cohn took over. So I think it's a little different. The Cubs have had no history of winning at all, really, you know, and uh, um Remember, John Lester took a leap to sign there. I don't think Max Scherzer necessarily took a leap at forty-three million a year. Lester left more. Th- <laughs> he Lester took the biggest left- offer. <laughs> yeah, Lester left money on the table to come to the Cubs. So I think it's a little different. This Lester signing was a real sign that the Cubs had arrived as big-time players. I think we kind of knew the Mets were going to be big-time players with Steve Cohn, and and they were a decent team these last couple of years. So I, I think it's a little different. I think it just kind of re- re-emphasized the point that Steve Cohn was not going to outbid, get outbid for anybody he wanted. I think that was more the message than anything. All right. Let's focus on the teams in Chicago. The Cubs have a very distinct uh, trait early this season, and that is they tend to put the ball in play in an era in which teams don't do that. Uh, tell me about the Cubs and that strategy. It's fun to watch. If we needed to be reminded that balls in play, that doubles, they set a franchise record for doubles in a series in Colorado uh, last weekend. If we needed to be reminded, well, I'm seeing it firsthand. And remember the contrast for, for Cub fans to go from the Rizzo, Baez, Bryant years, Swarber of home runs and strikeouts, like a lot of the league, to this is, is a huge change. And it is absolutely entertaining to watch. Um, they probably don't have enough power now. They've gone a little bit too far the other way. Jed Hoyer has said as much as recently as, as last night at Wrigley Field, but that's okay. It's a little bit of a transition year. Uh, Nick Madrigal, Seiya Suzuki, Nico Horner, these are contact players that don't grow on trees. I mean, it's it's not easy to find guys guys like that. So now they need to go out and replace the left-handed power they, they lost. Again, something Jed knows, but it's a nice little foundation he's building in what we think is a transition year. It's been fun. Suzuki this year, 12 walks, nine strikeouts, 581 on base percentage. And I think you'd agree with me. He looks like he's the odds on favorite to win the National League Rookie of the Year. 
after 10 games. Can, can you believe we could say that 11 games <laughs> five, that that 581 on base percentage. Wow. I mean, it jumps off the page 12 walks so far already two intentional walks buster. And he's in a lineup that again, isn't that dangerous in terms of hitting the ball out of the park, but teams are starting to realize we cannot pitch him in the zone. We've got to nibble a little bit. We've got to intentionally walk him. He's the real deal. I thought so back before they signed him, they went out and spent 17 million a year, 85 total. You don't spend that kind of money if you don't have an idea that he's going to be pretty good. His plate discipline at an early, we'll say, sort of time in his career, not an age necessarily, because he had time in Jap- Japan, but to be you know this early in, the, in his MLB career and understand what he should be swinging at, what, when he should be going the other way, is just amazing. You know, his hit streak ended last night, but he took three walks. Um, David Ross put him up to second in the order. When you're walking that much, you want to be up near the top, and I think that's going to be his long-term position. Just has a great overall game buster, great arm, great awareness in the outfield, and again, a combination of plate discipline and power. Um, I think he's the real deal, and that 581 on base is obviously going to come down, but I think that's not a fluke. He knows what pitches to swing at, and that is key early in his career. Okay. Uh, this uh, type of lineup where they put the, the ball in play, uh, I'm assuming that that probably is the vision of Jed Hoyer, you know, who took over for Theo Epstein about 18 months ago as head of baseball operations, yes? Absolutely. It, 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 they, they realized that they went way too far in one way, it wasn't working, and so um, they changed up the, the dynamic. Uh, now, look, you've got to have the right balance. They don't quite have it yet, but they have a lot of um, core guys that can hit the ball and play, and that's the, put the ball in play, and that's that's what Jed wants. And I got to say, Jesse, I, I really feel like because of what we've seen uh, in Wrigley Field, especially since they put up that jumbotron that's above left field, I kind of wonder if this is the way to go uh, if you're the Cubs. Because, uh, you know, for years, of course, you know, the Cubs were known as a team in Wrigley Field because it's, you know, the perception of it is a band box and you can hit a ton of home runs. Uh, they would always, you know, have a lot of sluggers and there'd be guys like Sammy Sosa who would hit a ton of home runs there. But day in and day out, you know, that's better than me because you cover the team on a daily basis. Day in and day out, Wrigley Field is a pitcher's park. And, and I, I wonder if that was part of the thinking that they had that, you know what, 80 percent of the days, uh, this is a ballpark that might uh, lend itself more to small ball than actually a bunch of big sluggers, hairy chested guys trying to hit the ball 450 feet because you can in Wrig- Wrigley Field on those days when the wind's blowing in. There's absolutely some truth to that, Buster. There's no doubt about it. Um, and here's the other thing I'm learning and watching a, a contact-oriented team. They're never really out of games. And right. they, they, they they sort of keep, you know keep scrapping away and – Yes, first of all, in the bad weather, which we've had terrible cold weather so far, it plays. And I had a scout tell me, hey, the Cubs are going to be okay in April. You know, he told me this in March because of what you're talking about. You, you can, it can play in this kind of weather at home or on the road. But again, you still need that left-handed pop. Every team needs it. This is why they actually made a phone call to Kyle Schwarber after the lockout. It's a math equation at some point. You still need to hit the ball out enough to win enough games in those moments when you're facing great pitching and then, you know, Schwarber runs into one by accident and you beat the ground one, nothing. They don't have that ability right now. So you still need that. But, but I think you're right about at least having that combination because it is a misconception. The wind blows in as much as it blows out, if not more. And we've got at least two months, sometimes two and a half months of, of temperatures in the forties, maybe fifties, it's finally going to warm up a little this weekend, but I'm telling you, sometimes it's cold here till June, and I'm not, I'm not. That's not hyperbolic. That is the truth. Um, we'll see what May brings us, but yes, that 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 the idea of just boppers at Wrigley Field—that's kind of a misnomer. Yeah, and and if I remember correctly from one of our meetings before Sunday Night Baseball with Joe Madden, he mentioned there was a year, it might have been like 2018, where you know they kept track of the the number of days where it was pitchers' conditions versus hitters' conditions. And I think it was about 80%. Yeah. And is that how it feels during the course of 162 games? 80 might be a little high, you know, at the bottom of the Cubs notes, they put in how much, how many times the wind has blown in and out. So, you know, I could go back and look, Uh, but 80 might be a little high, but more than 50% a pitcher's park. Absolutely. It might be 60, 40, 75, 25, whatever. 
But uh, I, I think Jed has learned that over the years for sure. But either way, forget the win, forget the park. They were too one-sided anyway with the yeah. slugging and the strikeout. So just take a, a neutral ballpark. You want some balance, and the Cubs did not have that. And like I said, they've gone a little bit too far one way. They've got to find that balance on with power on the other side. Um, but it feels like you can probably find power more than contact hitters these days anyway, Buster. Yeah, no kidding. All right. Uh, give me uh, some thoughts on the White Sox and their start so far. You know, I got to give them credit. Their depth has, has shown up more than I, than I thought it would. Um, they lost Lance Lynn. They lost Lucas Giolito. And they went out there and won the first three series, two out of three, two out of three, two out of three. They've been rained out the last two nights. Uh, Garrett Crochet at star reliever went down. They didn't make a trade. Uh, Lynn goes down for two months. They didn't make a trade, but they went down to the minors and Buster of all seasons. I think you're going to need almost all 40 on your 40 men at the end of the day here. And already the Sox have used guys like Bennett Sousa, Tanner Banks um, in the bullpen. These are not household names. Jimmy Lambert has filled in for, for Lucas Giolito again, Names outside of Chicago, people aren't going to recognize, but this is what you're going to have to do to win. You're going to have to dip down to the minors. I think the Sox would have preferred to do it later in the summer as maybe the normal injuries occur, but they had to do it early. They're six and three without Luis Robert doing much, but five stolen bases already. His, his talent still jumps off the, the page and the, and the diamond. So there's, there's absolutely room to grow. Liam Hendricks hasn't been great and they're still six and three. So um, it does feel like they're the class of the division again. Uh, I, I, I don't know who's going to be in second place. I was high on Detroit coming out of camp. Um, Cleveland got off to a good start, then got swept at home. Feels like there's going to be a lot of beating up on each other in the AL Central while the Sox stay about an arm's length away from everyone else. So it's a good start. It's a workmanlike start, and I think it can only get better. Last night, the Yankees win in Detroit, but Garrett Cole lasts just an inning and two-thirds, 68 pitches. And Aaron Boone, actually, you know, after he took him out, he said, I probably should have gotten him out sooner. He was struggling to command the ball. Uh, You know, temperatures were low. Uh, And it's interesting because, of course, you know, we talk about gripping the baseball. That seems to be the transition point for how Garrett Cole has performed since in his time with the Yankees, since he signed that $324 million deal, uh, since we had the crackdown on sticky stuff last summer, Jesse is a 4.56 ERA. Uh, he was terrible in that playoff game against the Red Sox. He's off to a lousy start here. His ERA is over six. You know, Garrett talked afterward uh, about how uh, he, he, you know, he feels like, yes, I'm going to turn it around. And he certainly has the ability, but I actually had one evaluator say to me about, you know, how he's performed since the sticky stuff cracked down. He goes, eh, kind of like the way he was with Pittsburgh. He wasn't a dominant guy. And if you're the Yankees, you need him because you paid him a ton of money. You need him to be a dominant number one and not this guy that we've seen since last June with a four and a half ERA. Really goes to show you either one, how much that sticky stuff helped or two, how, how much play, pitching in Houston helped some of these guys. I mean, everybody right. that pitches down there certainly has some success. You know, he had a long delay between innings yesterday. That I don't know if that impacted him, but look, that that's part of the game, and you're getting paid that much you've got to overcome. Uh, also this, veterans at, uh, with the shortened spring training, some are having success, but you still have to give them a little bit of a break because every player is different. Yep. Obviously, I'm talking about pitchers, not necessarily the hitters. Um, so let, let's, let's give it a little bit of time. No pitcher wants to admit the short and spring impacted him right now. Um, because there are other, other guys having success, but yeah, I think it's a concern. I mean, he's a guy that admitted about the sticky stuff. So the, uh, the numbers don't lie. That's the one thing about stats. Sometimes we overuse them, but they don't lie. And that, that shift was sort of obvious right away last year. And it sort of continued, but I'm willing to say, okay, let's see how things happen as the weather warms up. And you give them a little bit more time after a short spring. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought it was good. I mean, in the clips that I saw of Garrett's postgame talk with uh, the reporters, he didn't talk about delay or anything like that. He just said, I got to pitch better. Because when he had that opening day, when his his start was delayed by four minutes, and he talked about that, referenced that in in reference to his uh, performance, that did not go over well in New York. No, you Uh, think? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And and that's, and at this point, you know, he's on double secret probation with the Yankee fans. There's no doubt about it. That's, 
that's what comes with the with the big dollars. And, you know, I remember Garrett, when he joined the team, he talked about how he welcomed all that. He wanted that responsibility. He 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 embraced it. And it, it certainly is there now. Uh, real quick one before we go. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you about uh, the pitch clock effectiveness in the minor leagues. It's shaving tremendous amounts of time off the games, about 20 minutes. There's a 14 second pitch clock with the bases empty. 18-second clock with runners on. Uh, so far in about 132 games, they've used this. I, I, it's inevitable, Jesse. This is baseball in the future. What do you think? I think that people in uniform are going to have to go to it kicking and screaming. We're going to have yep. to pull them to use that. Uh, outside of uniform, I think it's great. I think it's going to have a big impact in terms of pace and maybe length, but pace. It's going to feel like a quicker game. But I talked to, I'll give you just even a name that isn't like a 20-year a veteran. I talked to Mike, Mark Leiter Jr. the other day. Now, Mark Leiter Jr. has some lineage, right? Old school, I guess, because his dad and uncle pitched in the game. He wants nothing to do with it. He wants nothing to do with it. And this isn't, like I said, Max Scherzer. Oh, I've been around long enough. We don't need, This is a guy that you would think might be, okay, I've been in the minors a while. I've, I'm getting used to it. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want it. And I know there's a lot of players that don't want it. And it's just such a disconnect, Buster. I know you've talked to, you know, people in uniform don't feel it as much as the rest of us do. And I'm talking about the length, the slow length or the slow pace or the long length, I should say. They don't feel it the same way. And I get it. They're in the middle of the heated competition. But I think they have to listen to the rest of the world when when we say the game's not as entertaining. Because on the same token, Mark's like, yeah, I don't know if my dad and uncle like the game as much. And I'm thinking, well, I wonder why. I wonder why, because it has changed some. Um, I think change is always difficult, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. And look, you can criticize Rob Manfred for a lot of things that people have, but in the last two or three years, four years, he has really dove into the issues on the field in baseball, and he's trying to find solutions for them. There's such a balance, Buster. Sorry to go on about this. Such a balance between, hey, let's keep the game, the game we love, Let's also move it forward and, and, and make it a little bit more entertaining and um, aesthetic and all these things. There's a balance. And don't tell me it's an easy balance. He's got a difficult task. And instead of punting it, Manfred's at least attempting to fix some things and, and, and sort of make it look like it used to look, but also move it forward. So I, 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 I think the pitch clock is inevitable and people in uniform should get their arms around it. Yeah. And the technology, I got to say, when I'm watching teams now that aren't using the pitch com, I'm like, can you guys please hurry up? Can you please hurry up? Because watching the teams that are using it is a lot of fun. Like, it's like, okay, we got pace, we got action. And again, bring it back to the Cubs and a final book into the teams you covered. Remember that World Series when uh, Wilson Contreras kept on going out to the mound 1,500 <laughs> times. It's like, ah! Yeah, <laughs> it's no doubt. the game. We need to get baseball sped up for sure. Yep, you're right. All right, Jesse. Thanks for doing this. Great talk with you. You got it, Buster. See you soon. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus chews. They're the one and done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Todd Radom is the chief executive of our weekly quiz. He's a graphic artist whose work can be seen on ball fields all across America, all around the world. Or you can go to his website, ToddRadom.com. Uh, Todd, how are you doing this week? Buster, I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing okay. I've got a couple of curveballs for you as we start our segment this week before we talk about this week's Phantom franchise and this week's quiz. Uh, you've been telling us the uniform advertisements are coming are coming in, and with actually less fanfare than I expected, we heard yesterday that the San Diego Padres are the first team to reach a uniform advertisement deal. And I got to say, when I saw it and I saw how it looks, they had Fernando Tatis Jr. wearing a Motorola logo. I was kind of shrugging my shoulder. I'm like, what's the big deal? What do you think? Well, a couple of things, Buster. We have seen this coming from down the pike. This has been mentioned, by the way, uh, for as long back as 1999. We've been talking about this and it's finally here. Just a second. So about as long as we've been talking about the athletics getting a new ballpark or a different <laughs> surface on the baseball. Exactly. Exactly. Longstanding <laughs> plans here. So here's my two cents uh, as kind of a brand purist. I always feel that anytime you put a logo next to another logo, they tend to diminish one another, but I need to get past that. I need to acknowledge the fact that the NBA has been doing this for several seasons and we are used to it. We are used to it. The NHL will start doing this in 2023 as well. Uh, as far as the Padres Motorola version, Buster, that thing is huge. It can be seen from the moon. It is gigantic. And you notice that uh, none of the shots displayed the Padres logo on the opposing sleeve next to this new advertising logo. It is big and it's going to switch from sleeve to sleeve depending upon. Uh, the optimal camera angle and the batter or the pitcher. So I think the jury's out until we see it on the field of play. Wow. Okay. And I, I should have, uh, as a someone who grew up in Vermont, I should understand what you're talking about because, of course, you know, the law in Vermont, you don't have billboards all over the place, right? They want to have you enjoy the beauty of Vermont. Uh, and I And I feel you as an artist wanting to enjoy the beauty of each of these uniforms and not have them look like NASCAR uh, cars. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. And I think that again, our NBA experience as fans is kind of instructive. Uh, I think it's fair to say that some logos are better than other logos when it comes to sponsors. So uh, a couple of years ago, the Boston Celtics, for example, were clad in GE uh, sponsored uniforms. And that's not a bad look. It kind of fits in with the Celtics uniform. But the other uh, side of the coin, I'll just put it out there. The Oklahoma City Thunder was out there in Love Truck Stop uh, ads, and they were very colorful and gigantic and not very good looking. So uh, we will see what we will see. But how about a very simple Apple logo on a Yankees uniform buster? Something like that. You could see it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I Yeah, it's it's inevitable. Uh, as uh, whenever I have folks, uh, you know, complain about different moves that Major League Baseball makes, I always remind them it's a business. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And I think another thing to point out is the fact that if you look at and you and I saw these things live, look at a look at a video of, let's say, the 1993 World Series and look at the amount of advertising behind the plate on outfield fences there was a time that there was not a lot of advertising. Now it is just everywhere uh, on our screens, in our ballparks. We are bombarded with brand imagery 24-7, 365 as consumers. So, yeah, this kind of makes sense. 
And let's face it, pro sports prints money. And this is another way to do that. All right. We had a good bleacher tweet for you, but I'm going to save that for next week. So let's get to this week's phantom franchise, the Washington Padres. That's right. Buster, there is a powder blue prototype uniform on display on the club level at Nationals Park in Washington, D.C. It looks very much of its era, the early 1970s, and it was created with a different Washington National League franchise in mind, the Washington Padres, or as they might have been called, the Washington Stars, Nationals, or Pandas. In May 1973, a group of Washington, D.C. businessmen led by grocery magnate Joseph Danzensky agreed to buy the San Diego Padres from owner C. Arnold Smith for the record price of $12 million. $12 million for the Padres. Smith, a banker and a close friend of President Richard M. Nixon, had big problems on his hands, ones that outweighed the Padres' woeful attendance figures and financial disputes with the city of San Diego. Smith was being sued by the IRS for $23 million in unpaid taxes. He was later convicted and jailed for embezzling millions from his business properties. He unloaded the Padres and accepted a $100,000 down payment. And on December 6, 1973, National League owners unanimously approved the proposed move. Washington, which had been abandoned by the senators after the 1971 season, was to have a brand new ball club buster. Ownership reportedly planned to tap Frank Robinson, who at the time was playing for the California Angels, as player manager. And this would have made Robinson MLB's first black manager, which he became with Cleveland a year later. The city of San Diego, however, they had the other ideas. The Padres were in the fifth season of a 20-year stadium lease with the city, which threatened to sue the club for $84 million for breaking the lease. The deal to sell the club quickly unraveled in the face of such strong resistance. And after a series of failed negotiations with other prospective buyers, Smith sold the Padres to McDonald's mogul Ray Kroc, a diehard Cubs fan who saved the ball club for San Diego. The negotiations supposedly included Kroc meeting for lunch with Smith, asking, quote, how much? Smith reportedly replying, 12 million. Kroc responding with one word, deal. And that was that. D.C. landed the Nationals three decades later. But but today, Buster, we imagine a National League with the Washington Stars, Nationals, Pandas or Padres, who are this week's phantom franchise. Todd, I love this one. Uh, I this was so close to happening. I know you you will remember this. This was so close to happening that Tops, which at that time produced uh, the baseball cards, I remember getting in the 1974 set in the spring uh, of that year, you know, in February and March, uh, pictures of Padre players with Washington at the top and and then an abbreviation at the bottom, National League. Yes. Because I think Tops was sort of stuck in the middle. They didn't know what to do. So you had players, I think, Dave Winfield and others having that on the base. That's how close it was considered that they were going to be moving to Washington. Yeah, it's so strange. And there's a great backstory too long for today about this prototype jersey that, uh, again, exists on the club level at Nationals Park. I took a picture with it during the 2019 World Series. That's how close they were to moving. And uh, one final note on this commissioner of baseball at the time, Bowie Kuhn, was enamored with getting a franchise back for Washington. At one point when he was a boy, he changed the scoreboard numbers at Griffith Stadium when the, the old senators played there. So there were many attempts to get a, a ball club for, for D.C. in the 70s and 80s. We already talked about the Orioles in this segment. We'll talk more about it. But, you know, it really did occur to me the other day, Buster, the Nationals have been there since 2005. It's been a hot minute now. The second version of the Senators only lasted 10 seasons. So uh, the timing was right for a team when it was right. All right, let's get to this week's quiz. Taylor Schwink carrying a winning streak, if I remember correctly. Well, so here are our standings up to date. Buster with two. Sarah and Taylor each have 
uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Taylor with one, Sarah with two. And, and I've been seeing Sarah smile in my mind for the last week, by the way, just to <laughs> let you know. So here we go. Which one of these franchises has never clinched a World Series at home? Is it A, the Cubs, B, the Royals, C, the White Sox, or D, the Angels? Has never clinched a World Series at home. Cubs, Royals, White Sox, or Angels? Oh, boy. Uh, Taylor, you want to lead us off? I'll say Angels. Uh, Sarah, do you want to go? You want me to go? Yeah, I'll I'll say Angels too. I'll go Cubs. Buster, Buster, it was the Cubs. Ah. The Cubs. The Cubs have never clinched a World Series at home. The Angels for Sarah and for Taylor. 2002, their only World Series championship at home. The White Sox in 1906, a long time ago. I think Buster covered that team and the Royals in <laughs> 1985. So Buster, congratulations, my friend. Yeah. Okay. Taylor, you have no excuse that you didn't know that. Okay. That was in your lifetime. This was not something about Tris Speaker or, you know, players mm-hmm. at the turn of the century. This was in your lifetime with the Angels. Uh, I don't appreciate the shrapnel I'm catching right now. I mean, Sarah got it wrong as well. So I think we should hold her to account as, as well. I would well, have been looking sick. at the standings and she's ahead of you. So, I'm, you know how it goes. It's a very results based uh, uh, narrative here on this podcast. I hate results. <laughs> I would have been six years old. <laughs> exactly. It, it's, it's kind of within your memory. I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Todd, thanks for doing this. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bleacher tweets. All righty, Buster. Bleacher tweets for a Wednesday. Oh, my gosh. I have no idea what day it is. It's really concerning. I thought it was it's Wednesday. Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Uh, that, well, that's good news, <laughs> I suppose. I thought it was Monday yesterday. So it sounds like a new homeowner or something. It's I'm, I'm in a fog over here. Um, first of all, Buster, I need your advice on uh, putting a mailbox in my front yard. Um, should, wow. I, should I just dig a straight up hole for that? Should I try and like loosen the ground up and pound it in? I've never done this before. Any any thoughts on that? Uh, well, and what's you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of putting you on the spot. Are you thinking you're going to be here for a, in this spot for a long time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is uh, <laughs> my mom said when she helped me move in, she said, you better not move out of this house anytime soon. So. Well, do it right then. Okay. okay. I think you got to get a hole. You got to pour some cement. I oh. think you want to put it in a permanent spot. Oh, wow. Okay. Wasn't thinking about that, but that's, that is good advice. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you know how the cement pouring goes. Wow. I'll take that back to the drawing board. Uh, yeah. Put in a little bracket, little square bracket, uh-huh. you know, or uh, at, the, at the base. Right. And then, you, you know, you put the, the, the mailbox in. Take it out because, you know, at some point there's going to be some neighborhood kid is going to come by and hit your mailbox or the mailman is going to accidentally bump into it, and knock it out. So make sure you get the replaceable brackets. You can pull it in and out mm-hmm. if I'm making yeah. sense. Yeah, I got one of those for sure. And I, okay. think, I think my wife might be the first one to uh, to knock it out of place. So we'll make sure it's secure. <laughs> Let's go to the tweets here. Corey Rucker at Corey R underscore 12 writes in. Why was the shift ban not put into place immediately? I hate these four outfielder shifts. I was thinking the same thing last night when I was watching uh, Braves Dodgers. Okay. So uh, the reason why the shifts were put in place is because the players and the owners can't talk to each other and they can't get anything done collaboratively. Um, you wish that that was the case. We've talked about that enough in the past. I don't mind the four outfielder shifts. In fact, going forward, I hope they allow the four outfielder shifts. Okay. Okay. I like the four outfielder shifts. It's where they stack up the four infielders on one side. That kind of bothers me. I want hitters to get an opportunity to get credit for hits when they hit the ball on the ground, uh, you know, in, into places where they would have gotten hits in the past. What about you? Uh, yeah, I think I agree with that a little bit more. I, if I had to choose between one, definitely the infield. The infield shift makes it impossible. It's not any fun, so ban that immediately. Yeah, it feels like there's a greater gamble for the defense if you have a four-outfielder mm-hmm. shift. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, totally. P.K. Steinberg is up next. He writes in with Acuna Jr. and Tatis Jr. recovering from injuries. Whose presence will have a greater effect on his team? And can you please, for the love of everything, holy, please have Tim Kirchin on every day. The man is solid freaking gold. I agree with that. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, you're not the only one who thinks that, which means we can't have Mun every day because mm-hmm. he's got other responsibilities. <laughs> I love talking with Tim every day. Uh, I think Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to have a bigger impact because I think he's the best player in baseball. 
I, I mentioned this to Tim. I, you know, there are other guys, you know, he mentioned that, you know, he still would look at Mike Trout. I think Acuna Jr. is, when he comes back, his impact is going to be immediate and it's going to be significant. And that's not to say anything bad or negative about Tatis Jr. I just think Acuna Jr. is that good. Slate at Slate underscore 2130 writes in, as a Louisville native, there's nothing I want to see more than Joe Adele's success. How long of a leash does he have, and when do you think he will turn it around and will be the all-star he's projected to be? Yeah, I think eventually he will. I mean, there have been flashes of, of uh, things that you've seen on the field. You're like, yeah, that guy's got the tools to be a really good player. Um, I, I would say the Angels are in win-now mode, and if we get to midseason and he's struggling, they're going to put somebody else in there, and that doesn't mean they're going to give up on him. But they are absolutely uh, – it feels like every game is a playoff game for them this year because they put so much into trying to get this team back into the postseason. Last one for today, Cam at Cannon Cam 666 writes in, if the Nationals don't believe they can lock a Juan Soto for life, I truly wonder when they try to cash in on him, in my opinion, any team that wants a leg up in getting him offers to take on Patrick Corbin's contract as well. Thoughts? Yeah, so I think we can go with the usual suspects. <laughs> I don't think the Cleveland Guardians or the Tampa Bay Rays will be the teams that will take a Corbin contract and, and Juan Soto. We're talking about big market teams, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Yankees. The team that I absolutely think is a perfect fit for Juan Soto, uh, how about the San Francisco Giants? They have a mm-hmm. lot of payroll flexibility they built up their form system, and Juan Soto could be for them and their lineup what Barry Bonds used to be, right? The anchor. Uh, they certainly have the payroll flexibility given that huge contract that uh, you know he's going to be in line to make next time. I I, I kind of hope he reaches free agency though, Taylor, uh, because I, I I would love to see a showdown between the Yankees and the Mets and trying to sign him. That would be a lot of fun. I think it's going to happen. I think there's like almost a zero percent chance that the Nats uh, end up signing him. So. That. I agree with you. He's a Scott Boris client, yeah. you know, and then we know Scott Boris clients go into the market. Mm-hmm. All right. That does it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. Thank you for writing in, everyone. And please follow, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's it for today. My thanks to Jesse, Todd, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus Choose provides one and done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Choose.